Now, God, as we um, dive in, Lord God, we thank you for your goodness. Um, we thank you that you are the Lord of heaven and earth. Um, when the people from another nation asked Jonah, who are you and where are you from? He says, I'm a Hebrew and I serve Yahweh, the maker of heaven and earth. Um, Lord God, and we, through Christ, do the same. And we want to recognize that everything that we have and everything that we are is because of you. Jesus, you hold everything together. Um, and we want to bless you and thank you for that. You're not only the maker, but you're the sustainer of things seen and unseen. Um, and so, God, we we don't want to we don't want to play uh, the dozens with what it means to show you off, Lord God. But we want to be vital in our love for you and vital in our execution of your love through mission. God, I pray for the offering. God, thank you for. The ability to give, God, I thank you for the growth financially, the growth spiritually, and the growth numerically that you've caused us to have. Help us not to get big heads. Um, God, help us to be, um, help us to understand that you own it all and that you've given it to our hands for us to utilize it for you. Lord God, bless the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart. May they be acceptable in your sight, O oh Lord God, my strength and my Redeemer, and who I trust in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you got a seat on your row, we need you to, like, squeeze into the center. Center, if you can. If you're, on, if you're on this side, if you can go this way to your left, my right. Um, if you're here, can, if you all can just go towards the middle, if there's an empty seat beside you, and if you're over here, if you could just, I guess y'all did it already. Y'all did it already. Y'all smooth with y'all's. Um, so thank y'all. Um, just know that we're thinking through. I want you all to, we want you all as the elders, we want you to really keep Epiphany lifted in prayer. We're going we're gonna to call a time of prayer, church-wide prayer, um, soon. Um, so be on the lookout for that because we really want to know where God wants us to go next um, as it relates to just how we're going to do gatherings. I don't just want to, we don't just want to say, Let's just make up stuff to, to do it. Let's just go to two gatherings and let's do it at this time because we want to really, really have God's um, mind and us as a community, not just as the elders just doing it and telling you, but we want to be together in this and we really want to uh, pray together. I want you to continue to pray, uh, pray about this growth and what to do with it and how to leverage it for his kingdom. Um, and not only that, um, just thinking about how, um, we're going to the next phases, of course, with the building campaign. God is really um, helping us to move forward in, in the loan process. So we want you to keep that lifted up in prayer um, because we want to be able to have a celebration. We're already thinking through what it looks like to celebrate God's provision. Um, but we want to pray and thank him in advance and be on our knees, um, totally dependent on him and on our knees, crying out to him. I like the parable that Jesus told the disciples in Luke 18, 1, it says that he told his disciples, uh, talk to them about prayer so they would know that they should pray and not faint. And um, I think that's a real important thing for us in an instant society is realizing that the eternal God who everything is present before him um, exists in every epoch in time. And he's working out stuff that we can't even see. 
But however, he utilizes prayer as the breeding ground and the carpet uh, to, 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 to um, open up the windows of heaven and take care of his people. Amen. 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 Well, we've been in Proverbs um, and I've really been enjoying this time in Proverbs. I'm just going through Proverbs. And of course, we're going to have a part one, two and three. And we're in the part one of the series. And uh, we're going to use it as sort of a commercial um, in, in practical Christianity. Um, we as Christians, when we read um, the Old Testament, we ought to read it in light of Jesus. We ought to read it in light of um, in light of being a Christian. Um, however, we want to look at the original author's intent to the original audience in our execution of that. What we're going to talk about today um, just kind of reminds me, I'm kind of a music connoisseur. I love all kinds of music. I love, you know, I, I love soul. I love R&B. I love hip-hop. I love jazz. I love all kinds of music. And one of the things, one of my favorite things to do as just, uh, just a pastime is to study eras of music. You know, um, back in the day, like the stuff our, our musicians nowadays say, like, if they'd have said that in 1950, man, they'd have got, I mean, their throats cut open. I mean, the stuff that, that the people would say, I mean, even Patti LaBelle and the LaBelles had to go, had to say something in French to say what they really wanted to say. And y'all know what song I'm talking about. Now, somebody know French, so I don't want to make them stumble by start saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know that, that song. Um, but you know the rest of the part of it, because somebody, you know, I'm studying French, Pastor. You shouldn't have said that from the pulpit. And so, um, and so I, I don't want to offend, but I, I've just noticed how, you know, back in the day, you know, you had different types of singers. Like, you had the Marvin Gaye, who was like a crooner, you know, but then you had Stevie Wonder. I, like, they don't even know what category to put Stevie in. Um, but Stevie, it has, has a very unique voice. But um, even in the pop culture of, of hip-hop culture, we've have had different genres of hip-hop culture and even different types of ways that lingo uh, comes across. One of the things I love, to love about an artist, first thing I look for is lyricism. First thing I look for. Like nowadays, <laughs> like I, you know, I, I'm not mad at nobody. I ain't mad at nobody. <laughs> but fam. You can't do it like me. You can't do it like me. <laughs> Let me see you do it. Let me see you do it. Look at me do it. Look at me. <laughs> East side walk it out. West side walk it out. South side walk it out. West walk it out. <laughs> and my wife is always on my shoulder saying, Bay. We got it. We could we could get the building now. All we gotta do is just come up with something. What we say every day, um, 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 get life. We could use get life. Get your hustle or something. My wife was like, let's do something. You know, because this is crazy. The cats are going quadruple platinum on some whackness. And I'm, I ain't hating on nobody's grind, but I'm, I, I like I like lyrical content, and so I'm not so, like I'm not pressing, but I like the I like the cross movement content content lyrics. I like, yeah, I like, you know, I, li I like the I like the, the, the truth. I, you know, I like that content that, you know, the, the whole lamp mode crew. I mean, you got Daryl. You know, I was listening to Daryl's album this morning. And I was sitting up like, I was just like, this dude is a lethal MC. You know what I'm saying? And, um, I mean, you got Christ. So you got so many cats. But, 
you know, and I, I, one of the things I like is lyricism. I, I like lyricism. And lyricism is really the art form of being able to take a particular language and compe- convey. Dang, they, they getting it in upstairs, huh? But to be able to convey a particular topic, a particular issue, and be able to say it in a savvy way, but in ways that people haven't even thought about. And so, I, 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 so when I listen to content, I'm, I'm booming my head with that lyricism. And the, uh, the music could be dope, but if we get past it, the hook can be fine. But if the content of the verse is, is, is not on point, I'm like, that had nothing to do with the song. Like, you had nine different subjects. One of the things I look for in a lyricist is, do you say on the subject? Like, if you change the subject nine times, I'm not feeling your MCing. Um, if you don't, if you ride the beat, you gotta ride the beat. Like, you're, like when you rhyming, like, I ain't no rapper, so I ain't even gonna front, but I, I like cats that ride the beat, you know, ride over that thing so I can flow with them. So, and, and then the particularity of how they flow, and then their accent, how they utilize their accent uniquely to make up slang terms to rhyme. Like, I, I look for all that type of stuff. So I'm like a connoisseur of, of lyricism. But you know, I, I, I can't help but glorifying the ultimate lyricist. Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the I mean he could he could speak narratively, he could speak parabolically, he could he could use meta narrative, he could use pro, proverbs, he could use hypercatastasis, uh synecdoche, uh, uh metaphors and similes and all type of 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 of, of um figures of speech to convey the, the depth of his truth. And he, and he wrote the beat of that genre that he was talking in. And it's interesting, as, as, as New Testament believers looking into Proverbs, we're going to talk about the tongue today. And I want to talk a little bit around, in, in this idea of being a lyricist. We're called as Christians to be lyricists. MCs and singers aren't the only people that are supposed to be lyricists. Um, and so today, I just want to talk. I want to talk to you about what it means to be a redeemed lyricist. In other words, how do you, you how do you navigate your tongue, and how you speak to God, and how you speak to others? Some of us are good lyricists, but our content is bad. Some of us are good lyricists, but we're not redeemed in how we talk to our brothers and sisters in Christ. Some of us are good lyricists. Some of us, you know, some of us are, you know, some of us, you know somebody a good lyricist, like especially a lady, when she do like this, and she put her head back, she about to go into some different type of lyricism. Like she about to light you up right now. And so, you know, so we want to, we want to, like, we want to talk about what does it mean to be a redeemed lyricist biblically. The Bible teaches in this, Christ is our ultimate example. We wanna, we, we're going to peer into him, but I like to talk about how the author of Proverbs kind of lays out what does it look like to be a redeemed lyricist. Are y'all with me? But I have to start somewhere because James, James and James calls us, he says, James calls us, tells us that improper use of the tongue is a lack of faith. When you get time, just read James chapter 3. I'm going to get into Proverbs, but i got to lay a foundation, a redemptive foundation. James says right before that, he says in chapter 2, verses 11 through about 16, he says, faith without works is, yeah. And what's funny is the first thing that he mentions in what it looks like for faith to be in proper action is the tongue. He didn't, he didn't go into moving from this place to that place, and he didn't even talk about giving. 
He says the first frontier for most of us of sanctification is how we use our mouths. And so, so Jesus, and we're talking about his, Jesus, he's saying, if you're a real Christian who's been impacted by the gospel, then you're going to begin to allow God to redeem your tongue. Some of us, instead of it being the first frontier, it's really been the last or continuing frontier of redemption. And so God wants us to really try to get into what it means to be a redeemed lyricist. But there's a breeding ground because it didn't just start with man. It didn't just start with man. Over in Isaiah chapter 14 and Ezekiel chapter 28, I'm just laying a foundation. Some people believe this is just, you know, Isaiah chapter 14 is just about the king of Babylon. Stay with me. And that Ezekiel is just about the king of Tyre. And it has nothing to do with Lucifer or Satan. But I think that if you read the chapter and go throughout the entire book and even go over to Revelation 12, you will see some some similarities. Um, When you look in there, it, it talks about in Isaiah 14 that this person looked at the throne of God and said in his heart that he wanted to cause his throne to be higher than God's throne. And based on him saying in his heart that he wanted his throne to be higher than God's throne, our action was taken. See, 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 let, let, me, let me explain something to you. That is called slander. And I'm going to explain and dive into what slander is. But the heart of the enemy was the breeding ground and the cause of his fall. Jesus says, I saw Satan fall from heaven like lightning. Why did he get kicked out of heaven? Because he slandered the throne of God. He wanted his throne to be higher than God's throne. And the first thing he did when he came to planet Earth, when man was created, was what did he tell Eve? He slandered God again. He said, oh, I know how he is. I've I've been with him for a minute. He always, he don't want nobody to be like him. And so he began using his tongue as a demonic lyricist to coerce Eve and Adam into slandering God in their heart also. And so we see that the breeding ground doesn't just start with the tongue. Jesus says in Matthew uh, chapter chapter 15, verses 10 and 16, he says, it not, it's not what goes into the mouth what defiles a person, but what comes out of a person rising up from where? The heart. So really, biblically, I'm giving you a short biblical theology of this, is biblically, the heart is the breeding ground for how the tongue is used. Listen to me. The, the heart is, is the microphone for your heart's desires or for your spirit's desires. Your mouth is the speaker box of your heart. So when your desires are yelled into your heart and you don't do what Proverbs 4.23 says, guard over it with all diligence, your tongue is a, a, a megawatt, speak. it's a subwoofer of the soul. 
It's a tweeter of your spirit. It, listen, it, it, it's, the, it's the way in which you, it's like the missionary for your heart's passions. And if your heart is not unduly guided, if your heart is not um, in depth and being nurtured through being redeemed, then what's going to happen is, is you're going to become an eternal slanderer. Turn over to Proverbs 15, verse 28. It says in verse 28, it says, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Pours out evil things. I mean, the nature of the heart of the wicked, when you go over to Psalm 14.1, you all will probably finish it for me. The fool has said where? Wow. Wow. The fool has said in his heart that what? Mm. Interesting. So it didn't say that he said with his mouth. It said the fool has said with his heart. In other words... The, the psalmist is, is pointing us to, and the writer of Proverbs in this section, chapter 15, verse 28, is saying that the heart is the, the, the hub or the center of where character is development, and the tongue is the missionary by which that those thought patterns and those desires are spewed. Now, most of us think, well, the fool has said in his heart that there is no God. Well, most of us think of a totally unbelieving unbeliever. But see, a fool who has said in their heart that there is no God is a person that can even say with their mouth that there is a God. But in the nurturing of their affections in their heart and the way they live that out in life, that there is no God. It's many a day where I praise God, hallelujah, and teared up in the gathering of the saints. But when I dipped out and it was time to nurture what was on my tongue, my heart was saying there's no God. So the question today on the floor is, what is our heart saying? What is our heart saying? The Bible talks about the fool. He talks about, it talks about here in, in, in um, turn over to Proverbs 6. This is, this is hard, hardcore stuff right here in chapter 6. Start at verse 12. It says, a worthless person, a wicked man, goes about with crooked speech, winks with his eyes, signals with his feet, points with his finger, with a, per with a perverted what? heart, devises evil. So this person, this, this wicked cat, is nurturing in his heart and nurturing in his soul and devising demonic plans. So the heart here, again, is, is the breeding ground. Now remember what we always talk about. What is the heart? The heart is, the, in, in the Hebrew, is expressing the mind, emotions, and will. Always remember that. Mind, emotions, and will. Intellect, desires, and execution of those desires. So when the wicked cat is, is out doing his thing, his or her thing, 
What happens is, is they devise demonic plans in their heart, and based on what's being nurtured in their heart, based on a depraved nature, based on depraved information, what they begin to do is they begin to stir up a soup of demonic devices. And what happens is the tongue plays the role of laying those devices up. But listen to how God feels about the person who devises wickedness in their heart. The person that is a lyricist at heart for demonic devices. Check it out. Verse 15, it says, therefore calamity will come upon you suddenly. In a moment, he will be broken beyond healing. There are six things that the Lord hates. Seven that are an abomination. Haughty eyes, a lying tongue. God has issue and thinks it's about, like in the Bible, there are, there are sins, right? But then there are abominations. Like with sin, let me tell you the difference between an abomination and a sin. A sin, God will wait to judge on. An abomination, he likes to kill you immediately about. Like when it's an abomination, God doesn't even have a court case. He don't even give you a session. He just said, look, man, we, we, this, we just got to wipe them out. So he says a lying tongue is an abomination. Where did the lying tongue come from? The perverted heart that develops evil devices. And so that's how the, few, the fool utilizes their heart. But then it says the wise, the wise, the wise. Turn back to Proverbs fifteen twenty eight. Back over in Proverbs fifteen twenty eight, it says, The heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. Now, I'm going to come back to this verse a few times, but I'm just laying a foundation for how the heart is working. It says here that, of course, the mind, emotions, and the will of the righteous ponders how to ask answer. Here is focusing on the realm where decision making takes place, thoughts are processes, thoughts are processed, and passions are regulated. So the righteous person doesn't just like they're not like a loose cannon. Like it's some people you can't take them nowhere because you, you you don't know what they're gonna say. I mean, some people you like. I mean, you like now when we get here. You, you got to fall back. Like some people, like you can't, you, you're scared to send them places. Like, and when they finish tearing stuff up, what's the, what's the term? We, what, what are we telling them? I can't take you nowhere. But the heart of the, of the wise, the righteous, the community of the wise, we're known for thinking before we talk. We're marked by not just saying stuff. Like some of us, we speak the first thing you come up. I don't like it. I don't like that. You gaining. Look at you big as a mug. <laughs> Your hairline receding. Man, you shouldn't have wore that. Oh, that's ugly. Man, I don't like you. They get on my nerves. I mean, you like it just come right out. Just ain't no like you don't even ponder. Some of us, we just got facial expressions. <laughs> we ponder and we like. How you doing? I'm I. I'm I. I mean, I mean. Our facial expressions act like a missionary for our tongue. Like, <laughs> But see, the wise, 
The wise broods about things. I was going to say this later, but I'm going to say it now. See, the wise ponders. Let me explain what ponder means. It means to muse. It means to meditate and consider. It means to study. The word involves planning. It's the same word used in Psalm 1, 2, when it says, uh, in Psalm 1, which says, and he meditates on his law day and night. That word there means to chew. It's like, it, it has the issues of a cow. Like a cow has three stomachs. And what a cow, you ever seen a cow, like you ever been on Lancaster somewhere, you seen a cow, and a cow, like, I mean, cows, I think they're the coolest animals. They slept on, we eating them for burgers and stuff, but they cool, man. <laughs> you know, a cow, you know, he'll go down, bite him some grass, and come up. What's up, big dog? What's up? <laughs> they swallow, then regurgitate it back up and rechew it again. What you doing, dog? Oh, man, you know how we do. <laughs> then he sent it back down again and bring it back up and chew. That's the Hebrew word here. It means to meditate. It means to chew. To chew. What's interesting about the the... The, um, the cow is, the cow makes sure, not, you know, I don't, never mind, I ain't going to go there. But it's interesting how a cow chews and chews and breaks down and breaks. I mean, they get every last piece of the nutrients out of what they eat. See, the wise at heart grab the word of God and we chew it. And we, chew, we swallow it. It goes down in our hearts and we regurgitate it and chew on it and chew on it and chew on it. It's like when you eat gum. Like, I like gum that, that keep it sugar for a while. You have some gum, you chew it like them hard ones. You chew it three seconds and you're ready to spit it out. But we, that's how we chew the word of God. We want to, uh, the wise, the community of the wise, we want to get everything we can out of God's word. And the purpose of that is the wise takes a long time to say something. See, the wise chews and chews and, 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 and wants to get, what, what does this word mean? How is it being used? How is it compared to this verse? How do I apply it to my life? What do I need to say? How do I need to say it? Is this the best time to say it? Maybe I shouldn't say anything. Oh, man, let me think of how, let me pray before I say something. Let me ask God to help me out. Like, that's what you meditate on. God, help me out with to have the right words because I'm ticked off at this person. And I just want to say this, God. You leave that at the throne and say, God, but I know I should say this. That's called meditating. See, people, people that don't meditate, they just say, like, like, and I'm going to talk about this in a minute. We got to be, we got to be careful even when we're using verses. And I'll talk about that in a minute. But we have to, we have to chew on our thinking, especially those of us who are under 35. And those who are above 65. Old folk, like something just happens. And you turn 65. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I got a lot of old people in my family. I mean, they, it's a, I don't know if God just says, all right, you cool now. I mean, you, you, you good. Just go on, go, on, go on with yours. Just be saying stuff. I mean, well, like, why do you change your hair color? That don't make no sense. Loud. Everybody here. 
I don't like them glasses. Dag, you gaining weight. Ooh, your breath stink. Why y'all live over there? Don't marry that girl. Don't marry that boy. I mean, they just don't think about nothing. I, 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 have to tell, I said, you can't just do that. They said, well, baby, I've been on the earth a long time. I don't earn the right to talk to somebody some kind of way. <laughs> you know, in youngsters, you know, we, you know, if you're under 35, you always got something to prove. Some of you, when you turn 35, you stop, you ain't got nothing to prove no more. You're like, dang, I'm, I'm going to be who I'm going to be. I'm going to be what I'm going to be like. When you get in your 30, it's different. When you under 35, especially under like 32, it, it, the old folk, the people that are above, the, they whispering to each other now. That's right. I remember. I'm telling you, you got something to prove before that. So you always trying to floss. And so a lot of times you talk, like it's just like when you try to talk to a girl, you like to, you want to talk to somebody. And you know, guys, we say some stupid stuff when we trying to holler. What's up, shorty? You <laughs> know what I'm saying? Man, you all right. Man, you know, I was just um, chilling over there, and, I, you know, I was just looking, you know, over across the room. You know what I'm saying?